You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 273. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much as always for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by my new obsession, which if you follow me on Instagram, you probably see me share because I have it every single day. It's Four Sigmatic. I love Four Sigmatic and I make my own mochas with their mushroom coffee with cordyceps and mushroom hot cacao mix. They have just perfected what is for me something I never thought I'd actually like, which is coffee. There are no jitters, no crash, and no stomach issues. All the things I don't don't love about traditional coffee, and it has half the caffeine of regular coffee. But for me, that doesn't really do much because I tend to have twice as much. So I'm probably drinking just as much. But it's twice as much because I get two cups for the caffeine of one. I love them. I have three to four a day. I actually have run out in between shipments from Four Sigmatic. So I am on my third or fourth run to get more of this at the stores near me. That's how much I love this, guys. Yes, they're a sponsor. And yes, I have a ton of it sent to me. But even when I run out, I am going and buying more because it is just the favorite, favorite, most aligning way for me to start my day. I love it that much. And yes, though, I still will always love iced tea as well. Four Sigmatic is just where it's at for me. So try it if you like. They have other things beyond the cacao mixes and the coffee, but that's always my personal recommendation. If you'd like to go check out what they have, you can see more at foursigmatic.com slash lively and use the code lively for 15% off of your order. I hope you love it and get possibly as addicted as I do if it's aligning for you too. Now let's talk about where I am. Of course, I'm here in Sydney and I'm working on C-School curriculum. So thank you guys so much for all of the encouragement and excitement. I got messages even from friends that have been on the show and listened to that episode from last week talking about how it has all flowed together. It's so cool to see it continue to unfold in such a beautiful, fun way. And it's so exciting to see that about 30% of the ticket sales have already happen. They've already been purchased. So thank you so much if you're coming to visit. We do still have some tickets left. So if you would like, there's not a ton, but there are some over at C as in consciousnessschool.io. That's input output, kind of a fun plan consciousness, if you will. And I'm so excited to be sharing everything we are cooking up for you then. Now let's talk about today's episode. Today we have one of my favorite energy people on the show. This is Carolyn Rector of the Style Minimal Mindful blog, Unfancy. I love her style blog. I love her style. Many years ago, I found her. She has taken the internet by storm with her capsule wardrobe format. It's so cool to see even friends like Anna from Viviana Does Makeup or the Anna Edit, as she's now known, who's been on the show before. She's gotten really into Caroline's wardrobe capsule concept, and it's just so cool to see Caroline and get to talk to her again. I became friends with her in Austin, Texas personally and have had her on the show twice before. This is her third one and this is her chance to interview me because as she has listened as a fan of the show to the Law of Attraction episodes, she has had questions with her and her husband that they would like to ask me about the Law of Attraction and how to apply it. So this episode is going into some nitty gritty stuff that I am still uncovering and most recently understanding at a deeper level than ever before. And we'll be sharing how Caroline's using it in her life too. So let's go to the show. Caroline, thank you for coming on the show again. Oh my gosh, Jess. So happy to be here. I love your energy. Actually, I can say that back years ago when I met you, 
I was just probably in the baby stages of understanding consciousness and any of this stuff. But the first thing I recognized and started to pick up on was energy and the energy of different people. And you were someone I could tell had, I didn't know how to describe it. I probably tried to describe it in the second interview you came on the show for, where I was like, you have something in you that I want a part of. I didn't know how to describe it. Now I'd say consciousness and energy. But Thank you for being you because you have been an early inspiration for me from the beginning as someone who has tapped into, I guess we could call it the receiving mode of life in a way that, especially back years ago, I didn't even know it was truly possible. Wow, Jess, that means a lot to me. Thank you. All right. So let's, for anyone that has not heard of you, just by chance, do you want to do a quick kind of how you got to where you are? Sure. So I started my career as a wedding photographer and spent eight years doing wedding photography. And then in 2014, I believe, 2014, I pivoted and started a blog. I kind of looked around at the blogosphere and I couldn't find exactly what I wanted. What I wanted was a fashion blog where, you know, the blogger posted their outfit every day and had like posted pieces that were more affordable, that kind of stuff. And so I sort of created the blog that I wish existed and took sort of a like a minimalist slant to it and started a capsule wardrobe <laughs> and basically limiting my wardrobe down to, you know, kind of a small number of pieces. It was like around 40. And things really took off from there. Uh, people really received the capsule wardrobe idea And now I've taken like a couple of blogging breaks, like over the last few years, because for me, for my sanity, it's like I need like moments where I'm not super online all the time. And I am getting ready now to start blogging again and share a little bit more of kind of like a balanced and chill approach to I I hesitate to say even minimalism, but more, more of just like moderation in our wardrobes, in life, that kind of thing. Yeah. And your capsule wardrobe, I mean, it took the internet by storm back in the day. I remember, and even there are many bloggers I still am friends with who've been on the show as well, like Anna from the Anna Edit or Viviana Does Makeup, as she might be known from YouTube. Uh, She still does her capsule wardrobes and stuff. I remember telling her, I was like, dude, you're going to love Caroline's capsule wardrobe thing. And then she did. And it's just been so cool to see so many people. I've tried it in the past and then I lived in a suitcase for two years. So that basically gave me a real practice at it. But now this moderation is really interesting. But let's really talk about why you're here. You actually are here because you have questions for me. Do you not? I do. All right. What do you have questions for me about? So there's this little thing called law of attraction. Um, (laughs) So Jess, you were the one who introduced me to this idea of law of attraction. Really? Oh, yeah. Never before me. No, you were the one who introduced me to it. Whoa, that's crazy because this is whenever I have someone on, I'm always like, where did you hear about it? And they all hear about it from The Secret or Abraham or something. But if I'm the source, man, I guess that's true. Eventually, some people might find it through me. What a wild thing to think about. I think it's really cool. And I remember I watched The Secret, you know, I don't don't know, like 2011 or something like that. And I remember it, but it didn't have like maybe a lasting impact or it had a very, like a a very small impact. 
And then I remember vividly, I was on a plane. I can't remember where I was going, but I was sitting next to my husband and I was listening to your podcast. And it was one of the early ones where you were talking about law of attraction. And I, I like leaned over to him and I was, I was telling him about it. And he was just like, I don't understand what I don't, I don't get this. Like, and, and I was like, yeah, when she says that it makes sense. So you need to listen to it. And now he is like so much more into it almost than even I am. It's really cool to see how it has evolved and become a part of both of our lives together at the same time. It's been really fun to explore together. So now you guys are into it together. I'm sure a lot of people are like, I wish I had that with my partner, but not everybody is going to have this experience at the same time as someone else that they know. So this is just your experience, but that's awesome you guys have this to explore. Yes, very true. And just to throw it out there also, we really weren't on the same page at the very beginning. <laughs> there were some conversations that were like, this sounds crazy. Okay, like, just can, can we not talk about it? like, it wasn't always that we were on the exact same page with it or anything. So with it, have I explained it well? Or are there still questions about it that I can iron out for you or use case scenarios that you have in your own life that we can apply it to? Yeah, I think you've explained it really well. I think the I do have questions. The thing that you said that made the most sense to me was an episode where you were talking about that law of attraction is not what you are thinking about, but it's what you feel about what you're thinking. That was a total light bulb moment. And I was like, oh, I get it now. Like, that's why either like I can look back at times and and see that I was trying to sort of like think myself into a positive place or something like that. But the feelings underneath, I can absolutely identify were negative. And so it's, it's just interesting. Well, actually, do you want me to clarify that even further? Yes, I would love that. This might break your brain even more because it's still breaking mine. Okay, guys, hold on with me. As you guys know, I'm an Abrahamster and I truly have found so much wisdom in what they say. And recently I found a quote, can't remember where, but I think they actually do emails every day. If you want, you can get a quote from Abraham in your inbox. It's my favorite email to open, honestly, every day is a quote from Abraham. And they just pull random stuff from over the decades of their work. And recently, one of them said something and I wrote it out. I drew it out. I was like plotting the process because it was so deep. It's just easy for us sometimes to read something and go, yeah, that that makes sense. And then we move on and it doesn't really change our perception too dramatically. But this one was interesting. So I drew it out, I thought through, and it changed my current, this is not my knowledge of it, right? This isn't coming from within me, but this is coming from my mind, my intelligence, understanding this concept they shared. So it's not like I've intuited it directly yet, but what they said was that our thoughts are the vibration that's creating the reality. Now, I have used a shortcut and I have tried to explain, like you just said, it's not what you think about, it's what you feel about that law of attraction is reacting to. Well, there's more to it than that. So let me go into that. And while I still believe as a daily rule, as a daily use case scenario for yourself, guys, still keep thinking. Law of attraction is responding to what you're feeling about, not what you're thinking about. But it goes a little bit more nuanced than that, apparently. It is our thoughts that are the vibration And this is something I keep wanting to go deeper in in my own studies because they say it every single freaking freaking video, but everybody, I think, totally misses the elephant in the room. 
which I don't fully understand. And I think most people don't really grasp the implications of this. So they said, our thoughts are creating our reality, but we're really not aware of what thought is creating the reality. So if you're saying, I want to be rich, I want to be a millionaire, right? And I say, do you feel poor? Then you're getting what you're feeling about. You're going to keep feeling and attracting poor scenarios, things that support the fact that you are poor right now, because that's what you're feeling is poor. You're not feeling like a millionaire. You're feeling like you're broke because that's what you see and that's what you ultimately feel about. They say, our thoughts really are still creating the reality. The feeling is a, sometimes they call it the first manifestation, but really what is the feeling? Apparently it's our intuition, soul, inner being, whatever you want to call that other part of ourselves belief on the thing we're thinking. And what this really means then, it's not your thought you think you're thinking. It's a deeper thought that you're having. So you might be saying the words, I want to be a millionaire. But if you deeper down think you're not a millionaire, that's what you really think. So that's what you're really creating is because what you really think is that you're poor. So you're not really thinking that you're rich or you're really thinking that you're abundant or you're a millionaire. You're really thinking deepest down that. Now, what happens in that is your most authentic thought. That's the most true thought for you, even though you're trying to change it. I understand we're trying to change these things. But if we're thinking the thought deepest down, the most true thought for our mind is that I'm still poor right now and I don't have it, then what happens is the inner being, soul, intuition, you name it, whatever you want, has an awareness of that deepest, most true and active thought in our mind And that is what it is emoting about. And whether you feel good or bad about whatever you're trying to manifest or whatever you're thinking about, if you feel good, you know your inner being is in alignment with what you're creating. And if you feel bad, it's a sign that what you are thinking is not in alignment with your inner being and what it is thinking. So it's indicating to you, the feeling is indicating if you're feeling good, then you really are thinking a deepest thought that is going to manifest something that is what you want. And if you are feeling bad, then the deepest thought you're really having, you don't even have to know what the deepest thought is, your feelings will indicate. Because if they're not feeling good, then you know the deepest thought in you is not truly what you want, is what you're wanting to create. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Hang on. I'm thinking that I'm taking that in. (laughs) Right. So it doesn't really ultimately matter, guys. It's just a more accurate, apparently, way for me to describe this. Because I do, as I say all the time, I'm writing in pencil with you. I'm sharing this as I go. And one of the things for also examples are that we're receiving our thoughts and we're not even thinking the thoughts are thinking. That's also broken my mind, but also broken it open, broken it open to what's possibly more true than the old modality we've been raised to believe. And this one ultimately doesn't matter, guys. Your first manifestations, your feeling, your feelings indicating whether your inner being, intuition is happy about what you're creating or is in alignment with what you ultimately want. So just keep using your feelings as your guide 
but recognize the only little new addition I'm making is that apparently the thought still is the creation. I actually thought the emotion for a while was the attractant. Like blood is activated by the neural peptides. So the emotions are activated there. There's iron in the blood. So there's actually a magnetic field in our heart. So I was really kind of on this whole little train thinking that the emotion was doing the creating. They say, no, it's not. It's still actually the electrical impulse of the thought, but it's just a more possibly accurate way for me to explain that. At the end of the day, just keep using your feelings as your guide. Okay, so it's both the thought and the emotion. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, this is what I thought. I thought that, and I've said that on many episodes, but when I was really breaking down, like literally they had a paragraph and most people just read it and went on with their day, but just lively style. I got out my highlighters basically and, you know, drew it all out. And I was like, okay, no, they said your thought is creating the vibration. Thought is vibration. It's kind of like plucking the string of the instrument, right? So that's the, the frequency that's going out in the field. And honestly, consciousness being thought, okay, I get that. But then they always emphasize and hark on this emotion stuff so much that I was like, just looking at the emotion, and it is a shortcut. We don't have to think about this too much because it gets really trippy. If I'm going to tell you, you're actively thinking about being a millionaire and your thoughts are creating your reality, but that's not the thought you're really thinking when you're like, yeah, Jess, it really is. I'm thinking this right now. And I say, no, you're not. You're vibrating at a different thing. That's like a lot of weirdness to think about. They call it resistance. So you might be thinking you're a millionaire, but really not feeling like a millionaire in a logical sense, right? I'm really poor, but I'm thinking I'm a millionaire. That deeper thought still is the activating factor. And you know that because your emotion isn't good. When you feel poor, you're not feeling like the millionaire rich person you want to be, and your inner being is like what you're creating based on your deepest thought isn't what you want. It's like a warning sign. So don't overcomplicate it, but just know I used to think it was the emotion that was creating. They say it's actually not. Okay, but they work hand in hand essentially, right? Yes. The minute you have a thought, you're going to have an emotion about the thought. And the emotion, if it feels good, means your inner being soul intuition likes it. It likes what you're creating. It's in alignment with your deepest desires. If you're not feeling good about the situation, then you know you're not creating something you ultimately want because it's not feeling good. Your inner being is not liking. It knows what you want and it wants you to get what you want. It's always happy, by the way. Let me also say, it's not like the inner being is scolding you and feeling unhappy about what you're creating. It's not like, oh, you're really making a crappy cake there, Caroline. I'm not going to feel good about this for you. No, it knows everything is always fine and is always leading you to what you want. So it's always positive. If we're not feeling positive, it's because what we're thinking is not in alignment with our inner being. The inner being is always positive. So when we're feeling positive, the thought we're having is in alignment with the inner being. When we are not feeling good, that's our indication. They say if the inner being didn't care and didn't have a positive approach to the situation, you wouldn't have a negative emotion or you wouldn't have any conflict in yourself. You wouldn't care if you didn't feel good. You just not feel good. But the fact that we care to not want to feel bad, the fact that we want to feel good is because the inner being does feel good and it feels so harsh and hard to be out of alignment with our inner being. This is like so bizarre and you're going to go, Jess, what the hell? But 
now you know you're still your feelings are still your guide but the thought is actually the vibration apparently so i love this actually and it really? gives me a lot of hope Good. because <laughs> yeah, this is useful this because... 20 minute dialogue <laughs> <laughs> my my main question, like one of the main questions that I wanted to come in and ask you was essentially like I personally feel like I have a very hard time sort of controlling or guiding my emotions, if that makes sense. Like I was, you know, I was listening to you and I was like, okay, okay, so it's it's the emotion and cool, but how, like, how do I change how I feel about, you know, certain things, especially things that are like really intense. Like, I mean, I don't have an example because I don't want to just, you know, throw in like death or like something big like that. Cause it could be something that doesn't seem big on the outside, but that actually is big inward. But yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you most about was this idea of sort of like, how do we, when we check in with ourselves, take a quick inventory and are like, you know what, I'm feeling bad how to change that emotion. Does that make sense? Yeah. So first of all, you can distract yourself from the subject. So let's say it is money, right? Well, you don't have to be thinking about money all the time. Now (laughs) your ego might be like, yes, I do. But you you don't have to be thinking about purple elephants all the time. You don't have to be thinking about the sky all the time. You don't have to be thinking about breathing all the time, even though you're doing it. It's still part of your life, but you don't have to think about it. So one thing you could do is literally distraction literally think about something else. But if something is so activated, your brain is so on that radio station and it will not budge. It is not going to move from the radio station. You want it to play something other than Marilyn Manson, but it will not stop thinking about the subject of money or whatever it is in that emotional frequency. Then you can go more general because what you're trying to do, let's look back on this. And this is probably the first time I've really brought this up and I've not come to any magical conclusions. But honestly, when I figure and crack this little puppy open, like this is going to be huge because what we always gloss over in Abraham, and I even see people in the hot seat do this too, is they say the emotion is a guide of how you are in alignment or out of alignment with your inner being. That's what it is. It's not anything really more complicated than that. But what we have to recognize is the inner being, this non-physical part of us, is kind of, if you think of it as heaven, it's a Christian term, but like if you think of it as the non-physical as they describe it, and many sources, not just Christianity, describe the non-physical, and I'm not saying heaven and then therefore is a hell. Like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that a non-physical reality that is constantly and consistently positive in terms of emotional well-being and state of well-being is described in many places in spirituality and other texts as well. So this positive, consistent, steady state of alignment or joy is this non-physical. So the non-physical entity that is us is in that state. And I can tell you, I've written to my intuition for nine years now, and it has never wavered once from that perception of my reality, no matter what I've gone through, it has never wavered from loving me or from being peaceful about my situation, whatever it was at the time. My emotional state went all over the chart, but it never changed. And I've done this with thousands, not thousands, but hundreds of people over the years as well. And their inner beings also never vary from a positive, peaceful, loving, patient perspective on their situations. So when you're feeling crappy, You're knowing that your inner being, your intuition, your soul is not in alignment with what you're thinking about right now. It's not seeing the situation the same way. Now, it's also not seeing your situation as permanent. 
it knows it's going to unfold and change. So it's not upset with where you are because it knows it's just a part of a path to where you're going. And it also knows, unlike our brains, that we're never done because it's been doing this rodeo many times before. So it's not worried. It's just rerouting us towards what we want more. And one way for us and our little brains and our little bodies right here on earth to get in alignment with that, to feel better, is to think different thoughts about the same subject if it's too active and we cannot distract ourselves. They call it going general. So if you get really specific, like my mom just died, right? You're like, that's a very specific thing. My mom is gone. She's not here anymore. I'm feeling so much pain and grief. The reason you're feeling pain and grief, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with feeling it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just uncomfortable, right? The reason it's so uncomfortable, they say, is because your soul, inner being, source, intuition is not uncomfortable because your mom died. It is still with your mom. So it's not uncomfortable. It's like, your mom's still here. There's nothing actually wrong. We and our human bodies go, but she's not in her physical form anymore. And I can't touch her. I can't call her. I can't talk to her. I see her in this casket, right? But that's just our five sensory perception of this human experience, looking at the five sensory perception in her human experience and seeing that it has changed. But really, what I kind of think about when it comes to as an example of death We just are all scared here on earth about death because it's kind of like everybody that dies walks into another room. And when they walk into that room, I kind of think of it as like a huge party. And there's balloons and celebration. They're all like having a great time. They're having the best music. It's a concert. Like they're at a festival. (laughs) And like just because they never come back, right, just because we can't perceive them in the physical form, we just assume that that must suck to go into the other room, even though the other room is like the best other room possible, since we don't have access to it and we never get to see them say that directly in a five physical senses way, we just assume that our own feeling of unhappiness because they're not here anymore, it must be scary and it must be bad because we don't have like the five sensory selfish part of us goes, I want to talk to him again in the same way I used to, rather than recognizing maybe there's another way I could communicate with them because their mind, their consciousness didn't actually die. The consciousness doesn't go. And no religion speak of the consciousness being eliminated in any way. It's always an ongoing experience. But we haven't had a scientific Geiger counter yet to tune into a consciousness that's still around directly yet. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist or we won't be able to. We just haven't had an ability to with science yet. This is really a tangent, but maybe an interesting one we haven't gone on before. I think it is. I'm glad we're going here. (laughs) You're like, so ask me more questions. Like keep being the real human looking at this and going, but what what does this mean then? Okay, so I want to go back to the changing the emotions thing. So I need like a, an example, like walk me through an example. Mom is dead. Cause I know your mom had cancer. So let's let's pretend she actually passed. Yeah. Gosh. (laughs) I know. Right. Not that we're going to put you in that emotional state permanently. We're just going to say like, had that happened, why don't we try to go backwards? Okay. So what would you be thinking if that had happened? So let's see. I think of like, experiences in life that I've had similar. And I just remember, you know, waking up in the morning and having that coming to consciousness and waking up and being like, 
oh yeah, you know, and it's just like that, that weight instantly of just sort of pain and this person's gone and not being able to really think much outside of, you know, this person is gone. And I mean, essentially that <laughs> it gets very basic. <laughs> yeah. It's just, this person is gone. Yeah. This person's gone and we feel bad because we believe that they're gone. The inner being doesn't believe that thought, right? Or isn't seeing it the same way because otherwise we wouldn't feel bad. Again, the inner being is always feeling positive. So even when we aren't, I actually really love this picture I found on the internet that had these two, a lion mother and a lion cub. And the lion mother is holding the lion cub and she's looking super chill, like super calm. And this baby is like roaring and like kind of making his little baby face at whatever it's thinking it's scared of or showing off, whatever it's doing. And it, the picture description said like, this is like your inner being and yourself <laughs> you're, when you're being defensive and unreasonable. It's like you're lashing out, but the inner being is there constantly calm and like, all right, little cub you're so sweet and cute and freaking out about nothing right now it's just like a shoe or whatever it's re reacting to and it's and you can think about a dog right he's a puppy like it's barking at my dog with the skateboard right there's nothing wrong with a skateboard but he reacts every single time to a skateboard like it's a life or death situation so you're i'm not scared about the skateboard because i don't think it's a life or death situation but franklin does and so he barks his head off well when you wake up with that feeling, it's like you're the dog barking your head off at the skateboard, but your inner being doesn't see the skateboard or the death in the same way. And you know that because you don't feel good. Because when you don't feel good, that's a sign your intuition, inner being isn't seeing the situation in the same way. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't love and have compassion for you in your pain. It's not saying your pain is unnecessary. It's not saying it's bad. It's not saying it's wrong. It's continuing to love and give you compassion at all times, which often you might not be giving yourself in that moment. You might be feeling bad for feeling bad, which it wouldn't feel. So we can think about ways of opening ourselves more generally. So even though I can't, so what, one example, let's do a little rampage here, going more general. So even though I can't see my mom today and I can't talk to her the way they used to, I don't really know for sure if she's really gone. There's no actual proof that she's actually gone. Even though there may not be proof that she's still here, there's also probably not proof that she's gone either. Like there's really no way to know for sure. But I do know that I like feeling good. And I do know that often that stuff that Abraham or Jess or whatever talk about kind of seems interesting. And sometimes it just, it lights me up and it used to make me happier to think that way. I mean, maybe I can't think that way right now, but I know that sometimes I can think that way. And in other subjects, I don't have the same resistance. I really believe it in these other areas. If I believe it with my abundance and if I believe it with my relationships and I see it work out at work all the time, even though this is crippling me right now, potentially there might be a moment in the future where I don't keep feeling this way. Even just knowing I might not always feel this way, that's good. I may not always feel this way. I may not always feel this way. Everything's always changing. So eventually this will have to change too. And it doesn't have to change right now. It doesn't have to change tomorrow. But eventually this will change because 
everything changes. It can't not change. And even though everything's always changing and it seems like it won't ever change here and it's been this way for the last week, it actually has been changing. I just keep changing it in the same way. So I keep having the same feelings and having the same thoughts based on those feelings. And those feelings are, again, just showing me the difference between how my inner being and soul is seeing this than I'm seeing this. If it keeps being this happy because I am this sad, I'm only this sad because it is not this sad. The amount of discord, the amount of pain I feel is a direct proportion to how far I am from the feeling that my inner being's feeling. My inner being must be like elated. I can't even imagine how, but it must be because this is so incredibly hard right now. Well, if that's true, how can my inner being be so elated? How is it possible it could be so much happier? Well, maybe there is the chance that this crazy journey of souls and Abraham stuff is true. Maybe the consciousness that is my mom isn't gone. Maybe she's in a place that she's enjoying right now. Maybe my inner being's there with her. I mean, honestly, maybe they never even separated from that level at all in the first place. So maybe she's doing better than ever. And all that pain she was in, she's no longer in. Thank God she's no longer in any more pain. Thank God she's in a place, if this all is true, where she's not feeling better. I'm feeling better having this thought, which means that something about this thought is more in alignment with my inner being than the other stuff I was thinking before. And I know that I don't have to get this right all the time. I know I don't have to get this right. Even in this moment, it's okay. It is okay to be where I am. And you know what? Eventually, I might get a little bit angry about feeling this way or angry about feeling this way about my mom. And it's cool that Abraham says that anger and frustration is actually a way out of depression and no energy. So it's kind of nice to know that if I eventually feel frustrated or angry, those are stages of grief people talk about, that that's actually a step forward out of this depression I'm feeling right now. So even if I get there, that's a good sign. And it doesn't mean I have to stay there, but eventually that might get boring too. And then I might get to peace. And I know that other people have lost people in their lives and they all continue eventually to move on. I know that that will be my fate in the future. It does not have to be right now. All I can do right now is give myself compassion, compassion for where I'm at, Even doing that, I just noticed a little bit of relief. Just giving myself compassion for the grief I'm feeling. Compassion for the grief I'm feeling feels better than the lack of the compassion while I'm feeling it. So that must be a little bit of an indication. My inner being's also having compassion for me right now. Does this make sense? Yes, a lot. Okay, so when you're saying go general, it's basically about sort of like, it's not about stuffing down the grief or simply replacing a negative thought with a positive thought, correct? What I did is instead of saying, my mom's not here, I remember when she gave me my pink shoes when I was in third grade, instead of thinking about how painful the last two weeks of her chemo treatment were, right? I wasn't thinking about those specifics. I was thinking in more general terms. Those general terms can be easier for us to align with the inner being than being, because it would be really hard, even for myself, I think, to go, let's say my dad dies or my mom dies, and then to go, I think at this point, though, I'm, I've am i steeped myself in so much information about the consciousness and the neurology not actually being the housing of our memories or our consciousness. It's not actually in the brain. So I'm like, well, it's just, if the brain's just a radio, 
then the radio station's not gone just because the radio dies. The music's still playing. It's just not in the physical form. What's animating us as what we call, quote unquote, life, we don't even really truly understand that. We just know that when there is consciousness, when there is life, there's electrical and magnetic pulses going through these bodies, these little spaceships we're living in. And we just assume to this point of our consciousness that when the spaceship or this little toaster, or this little radio, this little this little machine that we're living in, like when that dies, we just assume that the whole thing died. But as we're finding that the frequency of consciousness or the, the, the consciousness itself isn't in the thing, it's being received and transmitted through the thing, it's like, oh, this is just a game and these are just avatars. I don't know. That's where I've come in all of my studies from quantum and neurology and consciousness. I love that mental picture of the radio. And it's not that there's still music playing. It's just not coming through that radio anymore. It makes so much sense to me. So for example, okay, this is, again, I feel like I'm coming at this from a very like Western and very like ABC, give me like bullet points and action steps, like that kind of thing. Cause that's just still where I am in this whole process. So years ago, I sort of found this, like, it was just a psychology, like, tip, a way to, like, help yourself think about a situation in a different way. So I want to tell you about it and then get your thoughts on whether or not that is kind of accurate or what you're talking about or if it's, I just want to get your thoughts on it. So the idea is that you have a thought that you, you know, that's very hard or very depressing or, or sad. And so you find essentially three thoughts that are kind of the opposite of that thought to just essentially like imagine you're holding a ball in your hand and you just want to kind of like loosen the grip on this ball, the ball being like the negative thought or difficult thing, whatever that is. And so perhaps like going back to this hypothetical example, if my mom died, you know, some of my thoughts, if I was in a lot of, uh, you know, just in a really dark headspace with it, some of my thoughts would be, well, you know, I'm so thankful that she's not in pain anymore. And I'm so grateful for uh, the time that we get that we did get together. And that, you know, the sort of idea of maybe like, let me hold the possibility that she's not actually gone. So those would be perhaps my three thoughts to try to like loosen the grip around the ball. Yeah, that's all going general. Those are all aspects of even what I in my rampage just said. Excellent. I've heard the term going general thrown around a lot. And that was definitely a part that I have not explored very deeply yet. So that is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things in flow with intention I always talk about is compassion, 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 compassion. Now your inner being, if you think about this as the mama lion or the mom dog with the puppy and the little baby lion cub that's freaking out over something like a skateboard, like everything to the lion mother or the dog mother or the soul is a skateboard because it knows that even if you die, it's not, you're not dead, right? So even if you fell off a cliff, you're inner beings not upset because you're not going anywhere in the most ultimate sense. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like you're, you've done this many times before. This isn't your first rodeo. You just don't remember the old ones, which is super annoying because it takes a massive leap of faith for us to, <laughs> to go, all right, even though I have no perception of past lives necessarily at this point, I have to just kind of uh, take this on a leap of faith, right? But compassion and love are the two things your inner being at all times is thinking of you because 
it's not empathizing with you because your inner being mama lion isn't barking at the skateboard too. It's calm. It knows it's just a skateboard. It knows it's just, you're going to die anyways. You're going to eventually die. So it's not upset about the death. It knows it's a part of this. So it has compassion. It knows that you're afraid. It knows that you're scared. Just like a, a mom with their child. If the kid is scared of the dark, the mom's not empathizing necessarily. It's not healthy for the mother to feel as scared as the kid about the dark or about how the kid is feeling. It's not helpful for the mother to feel the same feeling of fear the child's feeling. But they do feel compassion for the child in the state that they're in. And they do love the child, even though the child is feeling fear right now. That contrast between how the mom feels about the kid in the dark and the kid and how it feels about the dark is an example Another way of looking or turning around in your head, this idea of your inner being. It's loving and having compassion. Now, in your own state, if you can give yourself love and compassion while you're feeling and thinking whatever you're feeling and thinking, you're, imma- you're immediately and automatically aligning with your inner being. Because that love and compassion is always the state it's feeling no matter what upset state you're in. So if you can give yourself compassion and love in that moment as you're feeling the sadness, like I see and I feel how sad I feel and it's okay, you know? And if we can give that to ourselves, we're automatically aligning ourselves with the energy of the inner being, which will feel better. Wow. Okay. So essentially there's no, there's no need to fix what's going on. It's just like, Sure, if it was if it was a less intense situation, we could perhaps just turn our attention somewhere else without the need to fix like whatever negative thing is going on. But if it is something so, you know, real and uh, difficult, essentially the answer is to just give yourself love and compassion as you are feeling those feelings. Is that what you're saying? Yes, and you're going to transmute. The more you can tap into the love and compassion as you're feeling those feelings, the more you're aligning with your inner being. Do you see that? The more you're playing the role of the mother. Let's say you are the kid that's afraid of the dark. I actually know a 34-year-old that's afraid of the dark. Okay, as she is afraid of the dark, she's no longer afraid of the dark. We actually did some RTT on her and she got over it. But when she was, as she was scared of the dark, if she could have also simultaneously leaned in to compassion and love for herself in that state, you can transmute it because all you're doing is an aligning your energy and your emotion, which is ultimately based on some kind of thought, which is compassion and based on compassion and love to your inner being, which is going to feel better because you're decreasing the distance between how you're seeing the situation and how your inner being is. The inner being is having love and compassion for you no matter what's going on, but it's not emoting with you. It's not empathizing with you. If it was empathizing and feeling scared too, you wouldn't care about the contrast. You wouldn't care about feeling bad if the inner being felt bad with you. Esther, who channels Abraham, always says, Abraham, just get down here with me. Just feel the way I feel about this. This is true. This is upsetting. (laughs) You know, just feel this with me. For once, stop doing this other constant happiness state thing. And they're like, no, we can't do that no matter how much. And she's like, I've channeled for you for 30 years. Please just get on with me. Just do this. And they said, no, they refuse to do so. So it's the refusing of the empathy 
which is feeling the same feeling. It's the compassion it's offering while in a compassionate, loving state. If we can tap into that, because if we also empathize with ourselves and say, of course we should feel this bad, we're just validating the discord. We're just validating the difficult feelings we're feeling. But if we have compassion, we're no longer tied to always feeling that way or feeling validated in that as the only possible scenario right now, that there is something else that could be compassionate as I'm feeling this. If you can do that, you can walk that double line of feeling the feeling and being compassionate at the same time. It diffuses the energy massively. I've seen it in my own self many times. Oh my gosh. This is the best thing ever. You, you answered my questions and this is so great. So I don't have to fix or like positive feel my way out of negative feelings when they're happening. It's just a matter of having a compassionate heart towards myself. Yes. And actually, look at Christianity. I know that you've had a lot of experience with that in the past, too. Like, there's a lot of grace they talk about. They talk a lot about compassion. Like, that, and even in uh, Buddhism, like, it's it's loving kindness. Like, that energy, if you can hold that as you're feeling whatever you're feeling, you're transmuting what you're feeling into that other energy. And that other energy is in alignment with your inner being. So you're going to eventually feel less and less discord. But sometimes the best thing you can do is just have that compassion and hold it there while you're feeling the other thing. And as far as what's happening is when you're really upset, you're in high beta. That's what's going on in your brain to get a little sciencey here, the Western world, right? So your brain is in high beta. Your inner being is accessed through theta and alpha. It's a really slow, smooth brainwave state that's in coherence with the patterns of your heart waves and your heart emanating with your brain waves. When you are upset, when you are not feeling good, your brain is in a very high pattern of anxiety and stress and it's erratic. It's not in coherence with your heart. So in that discoherence, decoherence state, you do not feel good. Your body is not even feeling good. It's literally actually doing harm to your body when those brain and heart waves are out of sync. But when you slow down the brain waves, which I think compassion is maybe giving us access to. But the other way to do this, by the way, three things. Sleep if it's really bad, because what you're doing is going from high beta down through beta, through alpha, through theta to delta, which is sleep. So you're slowing the brain wave out of the uncomfortable, unhealthy high beta out of the stressful into the, the sleep pattern, which is better for your brain. Things are being healed. Things are being released in that. But what happens is when you wake up, often it's like kind of a music that's still playing. You turn on your phone and it's playing a song. You turn it off and you turn it back on and it's, it starts up again. Very quickly, we can still keep activating an old thread, but technically it does slow things down. And often you do feel a lot better when you take a nap and think about it the next day. The other thing you can do is meditate if you're not super exhausted by the emotion you're feeling. Meditation can take you from high beta down to alpha, which is meditation state. So that can be good. And then if you're feeling better, once you start feeling better, you can actually ramp things up in a good way with appreciation. So sleep, meditate, or appreciate, depending on the state of emotion you're in. I'm writing this down. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? So really bad sleep. Not so bad, meditate, happy, appreciate. Yeah, this is fantastic. The point is, is that 
I don't have to feel bad for feeling bad. No, you don't want to have to feel like you have to appreciate when you're feeling horrible. Take the nap. Think of yourself like literally if we all thought of ourselves as little kids that we were taking care of and we gave ourselves the awareness that when we feel bad, it's like when you're sick. Your emotions are as toxic as the toxins. Everybody's so aware of gluten and dairy and all the physical PBH, Bayes, and whatever all that stuff is. Do you know what's totally people, besides the word stress, are totally unaware of? Emotional toxins. Am I trying to make another fear? No, I'm not trying to. But what I am trying to say is that people are so unaware of the impact of their emotions on their lives. They're thinking about the physical things, but they're not recognizing the power of their emotions. But if we looked at our emotions and when we didn't feel good emotionally, as if it was like a little kid that was physically sick. When the kid is sick, what do you do? When a kid is not feeling good, how would you help the kid feel better? Oh, gosh, make them as comfortable as possible. Give them, you know, some Sprite to calm down their stomach. I don't know. That's what my mom did. Yes, I did too. My mom did the same. Let them get into bed. Let them watch them a favorite movie. You would help them feel better. What we're not doing is the same kindness and compassion for ourselves and also recognizing emotions are equally as important as physical feeling good. Yeah, I wholeheartedly believe that. I feel like I just went through um, a season where my emotions caused my body to go into disease, <laughs> disease, disease. What did you get? What happened? Um, I stopped producing testosterone. <laughs> did you feel weak and helpless? 100%. Yes, of course you did, because testosterone is power and energy and vigor. So if you felt that way long enough, so if you have thoughts, did you have thoughts that also validated feeling helpless and weak and vulnerable? Yes. Yeah. So if you have those thoughts, then your thoughts are creating neural peptides. This makes total sense. This is not a surprise. What people think is like, oh, isn't that crazy? No, it's actually super logical. So you have a thought that I feel helpless and weak and vulnerable. Okay. So then the, that creates an electrical pulse. That's the vibration you're creating from. You did, probably didn't feel good because your inner being didn't think you were helpless, vulnerable, or anything like that. Did not believe that thought. So you felt the discord of that. You didn't feel good. And then even though it showed you you didn't it did your inner being didn't believe that it's still the thought is still the one that's creating the reality it's still creating the vibration it's not your inner being creating it's your thought that's creating so it went over to your hypothalamus created the neural peptides it created maybe if there was an imbalance maybe there was more progesterone or estrogen going on or like it decreased the testosterone i don't know if those are connected directly to neural peptides or not. But once those peptides are activated in the cells, let's say if it's true that those other chemicals are not neural peptides themselves, it's still signaling cells that would create those chemicals of testosterone to not activate based on the neural peptide activating that cell that would secrete the testosterone in that case. So once you keep having that lacks, you keep having the thought that keeps creating those neural peptides that keep feeling weak and whatever the adrenal, whatever was going on, cortisol, whatever was the neural peptide that was activated, then was activating the cells that would create the testosterone or not. You keep doing that. It's so interesting because what I have found over and over again in myself and in other scenarios now as I work with people, when you think of a long-term disease, look at the center in your body, the side of your body as well, if it's located on the left or right side, 
If it's left, it's often connected to something feminine, yourself if you're a female, or to someone feminine or a feminine energy in your life, or right would be masculine, someone masculine or your own masculinity in your life. So when you can isolate, where is it on the high to low part of my body? And then where is it on the left to right side of my body? You can literally see how your thoughts are creating long-term disharmony when you continue to have thoughts and emotions based on disharmony. Totally. I've been learning all about this in yoga teacher training the past six months, and it's fascinating. It is. So when you were in that state of low testosterone, how did you get out for anyone that's kind of wondering? Gosh, that's a good question. I don't know if I ever got out. I would say truly, and it's going to sound hokey because I'm on your podcast right now, but I feel like the thing that made the biggest difference was starting to practice law of attraction. How did you do it then? You were already using it. It's like saying, I started to use gravity and it started, my life turned out great. It's like, well, no, you're always using gravity. You're just aware of it now. So how is your awareness changing your point of attraction? Okay, this is such a good question because I'm curious also of your thoughts about, this is my beginner level practicing of law of attraction. So what I would do was basically anytime I'd feel something unpleasant, I would check in and just essentially ask what would make me happy right now. Yay! Alignment! Yes, you started taking care of yourself like the little sick kid that you actually were. You were just emotionally sick rather than physically sick. And you were eventually physically sick too. Yeah, it's oh, it's so crazy. But yeah, I would ask myself what would make me happy right now. And my husband and I have had conversations at length that how I feel like we were raised to not ask ourselves this question. The parents are falling on the kids. It's I call it the domino effect. They need you to be a certain way so that they can be happy. And then you get raised, this is how I make other people happy. And if I make myself happy, I'm selfish. Right. And the, and especially the whole uh, phrase, do what feels good, that was always thrown around like, no, like, don't you dare, because then you're going to turn to drugs and like parties and, and go crazy. And so it's it's interesting isn't it interesting how humans have decided that this experience can't be fun? Yes. And it shouldn't be. There's so much, though, looking at the domino effect of culture 500, 400, 300 years ago. I think America especially, I've noticed as I've traveled, is kind of like got this, I perceived in my own experience for 31 years of American living, that there's kind of this amnesia that like, yeah, we know about the revolution. We know about civil war and stuff like that. But like life really kind of seemed to start for Americans, I believe, for my perception, at least kind of like World War II, like World War One, World War II is kind of like when America, like everything seems active for us. But when I go to Portugal, which, for example, is an extremely old culture, their perception of time is totally different. I remember I talked to someone about soccer and I said, or football in the Euro Cup. And I was like, so is Portugal good? And they said, you know, it's really great. I forget the team they were talking about. They're like, you know, yeah, they've been recently really good. Have they been good recently? And they said, yeah, like in the 70s, they were like really great. They won. And like, I was like, or whatever the team was, I was like, the 70s? In America, if you haven't won in the last five years, you're either a good team or a bad team. But there they're talking about decades ago. They're like, yeah, they were really great at this, like 40 years ago. Like, you weren't even alive at that time, but you think this is an active part of your time frame because- they have a different perception of time. They also see churches and buildings that are thousands of years old there, where here everything's very relatively new if it's not Native American. So what we don't see is like 
all of the oppression, all of the power struggles that have played out for a very long time. And everybody's in their subconscious state of zero to 12 while they're in that alpha theta state, while they're downloading how to live in the world, the people that have come before them were punished and pushed into this. So then they're pushing those beliefs on those kids. And then they grew up and then they don't know any better and they do it to their kids. And it's just this domino effect of falling on top of each other. But all of it is for power and control when it is not okay for you to feel good. And we also have this assumption that if you have to feel good, you're going to hurt someone else. And that's not true. That is a very limiting belief. You to feel good does not mean you need to go shoot up a school. You to feel good is to do something that makes you inwardly feel good, which would be a state of peace and harmony with your inner being, which would not want to hurt someone else because it's not interested in needing anyone else to change their behavior for yourself to be happy. Yeah, it's really interesting because most of the time what feels good is some sort of like long-term positive. It's like like work out or eat a salad or like something positive. It's not necessarily always like eat chocolate. Sometimes it is. <laughs> but I'm, I've also been really surprised at how happy I can be with the smallest things. Because, you know, I, I think I used to worry so much about like controlling everything around me so that I can be happy, like having a situation so that I could be happy. But it's been like the smallest things that I'll pivot to. Like, I don't know, like putting on a song that I love, it is that is the simplest thing. And it always works. Or like taking a second to like, pet my dog or something. And it's ridiculous how in the past, I don't even know why. But I would be like, Oh, my dog's all the way over there. I'm not going to go pet him. When it's a small thing that would bring so much joy. Anyway, I don't know why I would do that. Oh, yes. This is completely brilliant. Do you realize the brilliance of what you're describing is actually enlightenment? So what you're describing, I've actually been going through this. When you let go of all the situations, for me, it was body visualization because I wanted to show you guys I could have like a ridiculously unattainable body without working out just to show it was possible. But that created a lot of resistance in me because I couldn't just have a nice body. I had to have a perfect body to show that there's no way this could be possible. So you'd believe me. <laughs> so that created some resistance. And then um, my skin, obviously, and let's keep talking about that one. And then boys and men and partner, you know, having that. When I said F it, screw it to all of that stuff and said, you know what? It's not worth emoting based on those things. I refuse to emote based on them. I'm not going to base my emotions on them. And I just kept Shaquille O'Neal blocking the emotional transmitters from those. I was just like, no, we are not going to emote on that. And I kind of got a little feisty with it. But as I actually did that, that frustration felt a lot better than helplessness in those situations, which I think I was vibrating at more that depression-ish or energyless energy before. As I got to that frustration anger level and just blocked it, I found the things like you just described, the dog, the the sun, the walk, the chocolate. I found the joys in those things and said, screw it to the rest. And all of the rest came into alignment. And if you think about the most enlightened people, they're always talking about the sunset. They're always talking about the forest and how beautiful the nature is. And when you're in a, a thirsty mode for a partner or a body weight loss or a baby in your life, whatever it is, right? When you're so into those things, you listen to that enlightened person, you're like, they're on another planet because they're so far from what you're basing your alignment on, you can't even connect. But if we can stop trying to base our emotional states on current scenarios, like like a certain situation in our life unfolding, and instead go so general and so simple to so the chocolate and the dog, 
all the other things can fall into place with that harmony. It's so fascinating. So how did you drop? I did the Shaquille O'Neal, F it, screw it. I might do an episode based on that, do a little rampage for everybody that might be at that depressed state that needs to get to that anger frustration level just to get you out of holding on in this woe is me state. But how did you get to the letting go of a situation in order to just enjoy the dog? So I've been practicing yoga for a while. And so I think yoga sort of laid the foundation for me to be able to tune in to my body and tune into how I feel and to really like tune in to one specific thing. Like for example, I'm getting joy because I'm petting my dog. And so I think all just all of that practice, like a continual meditation practice and a continual yoga practice sort of built the scaffolding I needed so that when the answer to what is going to make me happy is, you know, scratching my puppy, I'm able to just fully focus on that moment and feel all of these positive feelings and think all of these positive things about petting my dog. Like, his fur is so soft and his eyes are so sweet and all this stuff. So I can just focus in on that. And then it's just like the rest sort of falls away, if that makes sense. That's beautiful. And that's a really great thing. It's kind of like depending on your state of out of alignmentness, what's going to bring you relief. So in your state of whatever that was, it wasn't so strong that you needed to get frustrated or angry about the situation to move up the emotional scale. You were already beyond anger and frustration. So that would have been going backwards for you, right? So if it's going to feel worse to get angry about something, you don't want to do it. But if it feels cathartic, Now, what we don't want to do is use anger at someone else. And I've seen that very much in my own personal life growing up. I saw a lot of anger at other people, like projected. You don't want to project anger at someone else. That's very hurtful and painful for other people. But anger itself, I've had to learn this myself a lot, is not a bad thing. It's not a thing to not touch. It's not like a hot stove. Oh, don't touch that one because it's going to burn you. I felt so burned from being the recipient of anger at times in my past. But it is actually, as an emotion, I try to avoid it because it was so painful to receive. But now I've realized, oh, no, I can experience it as a stepping stool when I'm below it. So when I'm emotionally below anger, the way out to happiness, joy, or at least neutrality is a stepping stone out of it is the step stool of frustration or anger. And so now I recognize, okay, that's a really helpful one for me when I'm feeling helpless. Because helpless, I can't really, I could try compassion as like a little teleportation device, I guess. But Also, sometimes I'm finding the value and getting frustrated or angry about a situation, not projecting it at anyone, but feeling it and then releasing it to move on has been pretty cool. So just for anyone else out there that might connect, depending on the level of your emotional state, you may not need to do that. But I would also say, don't be afraid to if it will feel like more power, because there's no power in helplessness. There is power, even though it's destructive in the long term, if it stays there, there is power and energy around anger. You can use that energy to start moving forward, and then you drop the anger for frustration, the frustration for boredom, and then boredom for neutrality, neutrality to optimism, optimism to hope, hope to excitement. You know, you can work your way up the scale. Yeah. So 
it's not necessarily a quick fix, but it's a stepping stone, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just a momentary experience. And I used to, it's kind of like, if you think about emotions as weather, it was like a thunderstorm. Now I love real thunderstorms with la- uh, thunder and lightning. I love them. They're so good in Texas too. They don't have them like this here in Sydney, but sometimes, but not really. So I love a good thunderstorm. That's kind of like anger to me. Anger is loud when there's thunder, there's lightning, there's action going on. But all I've now learned is that loud and lightning and energy like that isn't bad. I used to think it was bad because it was very scary to receive it when I was young. But if I'm not projecting it at another human, there's nothing wrong. If I'm not using my lightning bolt to kill someone else, <laughs> if it's just lightning that's that's flashing and hitting different objects that are not another human, it's not hurting someone else, there's nothing wrong with the emotion itself. It's a legal emotion. I used to think it was illegal for me. It was bad for me to touch. Now I'm like, oh no, I can say F it. I can go on a little swearing rampage. And sometimes that feels good, even though I miss Jess, always wants to be in alignment, always wants to be happy and joyful, never wants to be... Uh, you know, opinionated or uh, divisive, I can now recognize that effort, screw it, that frustration about something, getting sick of it is sometimes the most healthy thing I can do to let it go. So interesting. I have like three questions that I want to get to. Do you have time? Very quick. We can do a rapid fire. Absolutely. Let's do a rapid fire because I feel like that'll work best for these questions too because they're kind of deep, but I would love to hear just like your super condensed version. What if I do a Joe version? You want me to do my intuition, what it says? Gosh, sure. (laughs) Can you do both? Okay, we'll see what comes out. Yeah, I'll do both. Let's do Jess and then Joe. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so my first question, and again, this is like pretty deep, but for me personally, I have recognized that I have some really deep seated beliefs in myself. And one of them is the thought I don't deserve to be happy. How do I overcome a feeling? I don't deserve to be happy. Happiness or not is not something you need to be concerned about for when you have decided that you're here and that is enough. Then there's no more things for you to be considering in this moment or time. And when you've released all need for this to be shown to you in a way that you can now expect. There will be more to be shown to you in a way that will leave you breathless and wanting. (laughs) This is a very common joke. Thanks, Joe. Sometimes I wonder if I like get in there and kind of worry too much about whether I'm thinking it versus I'm hearing it. So sometimes I wonder if I have to have it translated in a super bizarre way so that I can say I didn't think that, you know, versus if it said it's something more direct, maybe we'll get to the point where I'll trust it more and maybe it'll say simpler, easier, direct things. But deserving and worthiness is what you said, if you don't feel like it. Well, that's, I would, okay, Jess is speaking now. (laughs) Deserving and worthy is it's just something that you learned from a young age or you perceive from something that someone probably said very either unconsciously or not even meaning it in the way that it was taken. And so it literally makes no sense, though, if you really think about it. Like, why would consciousness come into this form and decide that some consciousness deserves more than another consciousness deserves? Like, if we're all made of the same consciousness, which some people call God, whatever, then like, why is one worth more than another? Like, there's no, there isn't. Um, It's just the belief that there is that then makes it true in your own reality or not. 
And the only people that typically question that typically are the ones that don't have things. Abraham said that once, which was interesting. The people that have things don't usually question whether they deserve it. Okay, you and Aaron have an amazing relationship, you and your husband. Do you deserve that? I guess, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't really question it. Because you have it, so you don't wonder whether you deserve it. Yes. I, on the other okay, hand, since okay. I haven't had it, could wonder if I deserve it because I haven't had it. But that doesn't mean I don't deserve it. It just means I haven't experienced it. If I experienced it, I'd be far less likely to wonder if I deserved it because it would have always been in my experience. Like someone that has a beautiful body that always has, they probably don't think about whether they deserve it because they've always had it. Anything you've always had, you're probably more unlikely unless you had someone actively tearing you down about it in the past when you were young. You're unlikely to actually question it. It's the stuff you haven't had, you question your worthiness to because if you haven't had it, how maybe you don't deserve it. That's when the doubt comes in. Okay, let me sort of pose it a different way. And I know, again, I said quick, here's another way to pose that same question. (laughs) With all the pain in the world, why would I deserve to be happy? All right. Universal cell theory, Jess Lively's universal cell theory. So if we are a cell of the human body, okay, so think of the human race as a body and you're a cell in it. All right. If there's pain in the toe, because you drop an Etch-a-Sketch like I did when I was six years old on your big toe, and it's really painful. And you, Caroline, are an eyeball cell. Why does the eye deserve to be healthy if the toe is in pain? That's the same question. Just put in a different frame. So you go, you question the validity of what you are thinking. It literally makes no sense for the entire planet to be as in as much pain as the toe cells. Because the entire body cannot survive in that much pain. If every single cell was in the same amount of pain as the toe, it can't. There's no wellness in the body to survive. There's no wellness to pump the blood. There's no wellness to actually think something else or distract or call the ambulance. There's no other resources to go into wellness. The body can only be well through wellness. The body, the human race can only be well through your wellness, not your sickness. Just because others are sick does not mean it's better off for you to feel the same. It's like somewhere deep inside, I think that I know that or it's been planted there, but it's hard for some reason to get to, right? Here's the thing. Have compassion, not empathy. Jesus was not empathetic, even though everybody is talking about how other empaths. I'm sure people are gauging energy. They're feeling it. I'm not saying they're not feeling it, but it's a passing through point to compassion. Your inner being is not emoting with you when it's scared of the dark. It has compassion for you, just like the mom has compassion for the child that's scared, but the mom is not scared. Your soul is not scared. Your inner being and intuition is not scared. So you having compassion for someone else that is scared or is in pain it's fine. And in your wellness, you have resources to share. In your pain, you have nothing to offer them. When you are depressed and you are really low, you had nothing to give someone else if they asked or needed something. You only have anything to give from your wellness. I know that the more well I focus on my wellness, the more I'm impacting the world through the overflow of that wellness. It's ridiculous as I've seen this happen. I It's it's mind-boggling and makes no effortly focus sense to see the amount we've now donated over, I think it's like $111,000 to Pencils of Promise. And this does not matter. I only say that as I am someone who actively 
fills my cup up first and foremost. And that seems selfish to a lot of consciousness in the world. But out of whatever that is perceived as selfishness, me choosing to feel good, that has created an abundance that is helping students around the world. In February alone, I think we have now funded 147 students school education for the year, just in February. 146 kids are gonna get school because of what just February alone created. My wellness in February alone gave school access for an entire year to 146 students. It's not in our pain that we have much to offer. I think Oprah's also an amazing example of this. She says the same thing. She fills her cup up first, and out of that, her abundance of ability to give is possible. You can only give what you have. And if you have more, the more you have to give. You cannot, as Abraham says, make yourself sick enough to make someone else well. You cannot make yourself poor enough to make someone else rich. You cannot get unhappy enough to make someone else happy. Gosh, I'm sitting with that right now. That fills me with so much hope. And I do, I know I can get there. I'm not there yet, but I know I can get there. How are you not there? And where is there? Uh, I think just the belief of I do tend to go more towards like there, you know, there are sick people in the world, not physically sick, not even, I just mean there is dis-ease in the world. So I need to make myself also late to... To be a good person. How many people, there is a story out there. There is a story in the ethers and the frequencies. There is a radio station you can tune into (laughs) that says you're a good person if you're upset about something that's going on in the world. Totally. Right? If you feel bad about something that's going on in the world, then you're a good person. And if you don't feel bad, then you're a selfish, bad person for feeling good. But that's like every platelet cell in the body telling every other cell, you should feel what I feel. The platelets, their job is to go out there and plug up the holes, right? To go put the scabs on the wounds. But the eyeball cell's job is not to do that. The muscle cell's job is not to do that. The toenail's job is not to do that. And when those platelets start pushing on every other cell, they're trying to take them out of their zone of genius. They're trying to take them out of their own alignment. What is only important is your alignment with your inner being and what it is calling you to do in joy. So I love giving the pencils of promise. I've now We've now funded three schools, Ghana, Guatemala, and Laos. Those students are not in a state of dire anything. They don't have a lot of resources, but their joy, their well-being, the stability is relatively there and intact. I've been there and seen it, at least in Ghana so far. I'm going to Laos this year and Guatemala next year or vice versa. But the point is, when there's a mudslide or there's some huge hurricane, there's so many people that go out there to help those people. If there's, you know, the March in America, right? There's so much stuff going on. But there's no one talking about the poor resources in Ghana, Guatemala, and Laos for these specifically remote communities that don't have something horrible happening to them. Does that mean they don't deserve to have a school structure or programming or have education that's more accessible and better quality? No, it has nothing to do with that. That's my alignment. My alignment is to help those students at this moment in time that other people aren't thinking about. And it's better that way. If everybody was doing the same thing, then there'd be overly committed resources in one area of the body and undercommitted in another. And that actually is when disease happens. So you got to find what makes you alive and you aligned. I think most people think that their way of being a good person is to feel bad rather than to feel good and go do something. Gosh, Jess, that's so good. 
Does that make sense? So people feel like if I feel bad enough about things that are going on and I share about bad feelings on social media, then I'm doing something right versus I'm going to fill my cup up. I'm going to be totally aligned and out of that alignment. It's going to feel awesome to go help sex trafficking. It's going to feel so good to go help those girls. I want to go do that. I'm going to go on this trip or I'm going to start donating to this nonprofit or I'm going to watch this documentary and then I'm going to go support this other person that's making a documentary about it. I'm not going to sit here and try to help every single single possible scenario. I'm going to find my one my inner being lights up about right now in this present moment. And it might be every time a landslide happens, you go and you donate $200 to that landslide and you just keep moving your money and resources around. That might be your, your alignment. It might be every time you see someone homeless on the street, you go give them $20 gift card to a grocery store right? You can make up your own alignment. But I think it's when people don't do anything that's in their inner being's alignment, in their own alignment, then they think the tax to pay to be a good person is to feel bad. Yeah. I feel like that's where I've been the last like few months. Okay. You're a yoga teacher trainer. What if it felt good to you for you to go to a shelter and do a yoga class once a week with the people at the shelter? Yeah, that'd be awesome. How would you feel about when something happens in the world, like let's say there's a hurricane? If you were volunteering once a week at this shelter and doing yoga class and loving it and having so much fun and taking care of yourself and feeling so great about the impact this is having on their lives and a hurricane happened, how would you feel? I would still feel good about helping them. Yeah, but you don't have to go help the hurricane. You can still have compassion for the hurricane, but you would still be filled up and you'd still be in alignment with what you, as the eyeball cell that you are, are called to do, which is be in your well-being and give from that place of well-being in your unique way. Right. That well, I didn't make that clear. Happy to be teaching this yoga at the shelter. Yep. I think that most people that aren't acting, and this is what's actually so good about the political system in America shaking up so much, people are getting active instead of just thinking that for every four years they vote on something like a president, that that's going to do all the work that they need to do in their alignment. This has actually created such a contrast that now they want to get more active instead of necessarily being unhappy and talking about on social media. Go out of your joy. Like when it comes to women and all that stuff that's going on there, you know what I'm doing? I'm creating a freaking amazing thing called C-School and I am doing this and building this company and it is so amazing. We have women in it. We have men in it. It is me living and employing and living an empowered female position that is the solution to this. It is not me talking about a problem. It is me living and being the solution that is at the level of the solution. So I'm not saying that people can't go actively do things, but I just ask them to do it in alignment rather than at the level of a problem and complaining. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm going to have to like check in with you in a couple of months. I feel so much energy from what you're saying. You have to take care of yourself first. This The body is only healthy if each individual cell is healthy. When you don't have enough for yourself, like when you were feeling depressed, you had nothing of quality to offer anyone else. The more you are aligned and thriving and flying on your high-flying disc, the more aligned you are, the more you have to offer. This is where I was saying earlier about the, the only reason I brought the, non, the Pencils of Promise stuff is just to say as an example that... I have alignment with what I've been doing for the last few years. It may not always be in this form, but I love it. And it makes me so happy. But it's a selfish happiness. It is aligning for me to do this with these kids. And they don't have the same, quote unquote, suffering as other people in the world. But I don't believe that other people's suffering means that these students are less deserving. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So I believe they're just as 
worthy of it and therefore I'm bringing it to them because it makes me aligned and happy to do so. So I know my soul, my inner being is excited for me to make this impact. And if everybody just went out there, I think it's this lack of any action that doesn't feel good. So they just think not feeling good about situations is the price they pay to be a good person versus, okay, no, just fill yourself up and then go do what you feel like doing based on that. But you probably want to go do something a little more active than feeling bad and talking about how you feel bad. Right, right. This is so good, Jess. I'm so glad we talked about this because this was one of the biggest things that I feel like I has sort of been my obstacle with law of attraction is just this base feeling of sort of like with all the pain in the world, like I don't deserve to be happy. You just brought so much clarity to that. And I'm excited to start living from that and see what happens. Yes, 100%. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you and all of your questions. And maybe we could do another one because obviously we went on some random tangents today. (laughs) But yeah, hopefully it's inspiring and to think about for yourself, what is your inner being lighting you up about that seems as selfish? This is what I like to think about. What feels as good as if, for example, I don't like or well, not that I don't like, I just haven't bought any fancy shoes ever, like, you know, Manola Blahniks. But I always make this joke about like me with the pencils of promise. It feels as good to me to do that as if I bought fancy shoes. Now, I'm not saying that one is right or wrong. They're equally good. Like there's nothing wrong with buying fancy shoes. There's nothing wrong with donating and giving to a cause you believe in. But I feel as excited about Pencils of Promise as if I was buying a pair of fancy shoes. That's the level of alignment for me to go out there and act It's that selfishly feeling good. And I know that when I'm in that level of feeling good, I know I'm in alignment with my inner being. If I'm doing it because I feel bad, obviously my inner being is not seeing it the same way. So there's a disconnect. But when I feel that good, I know I'm in alignment with my inner being. This is so good. So just think about what would feel as fun for you as buying a pair of fancy shoes. Because I believe the body is benefited, but only from the health of the self first and foremost, but then the overflow of that can go out in a multitude of ways. But like a mother, for example, as a cell and like a little five cell community cannot drain herself enough to make the others well. She will die. And then if the whole, if every fifth cell of the body dies, that's a fifth of the body that's dead. Like that's not a healthy body. So we can't give out of an empty cup. We have to fill ourselves up first to have the overflow help others. And we also train others that they can fill themselves up from within through doing it and modeling it and being that true. That's exactly what you're doing right now. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what I hope to show is that contrary to maybe belief that it seems counterintuitive, I'm only sharing to show that even though it might seem counterintuitive, the energetics of it have been flowing so almost magically because when you look at it from the cell to the body, in the human to the human race. That's when I think this all makes more sense for us. It's harder for us to see it when we don't see ourselves as part of something bigger and see that our own well-being within ourselves is just as important for us to take care of. Because otherwise, if we don't take care of our wellness, someone else will. When you were depressed, Aaron probably had to take care of you. So that's not, Mm -hmm. that's taking from him. Your own unwellness was taking from him. You filling yourself up means that the rest of the world doesn't have to take care of you. Right. Yes. All things to think about. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Oh, sorry. Thanks, Jess. (laughs) And there you have it. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the show again. And thank you for listening. If you want to find her on Instagram, you can find her over at Caroline 
underscore joy. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in consciousness lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash Caroline Rector three. And if you really loved Caroline and want to hear her in other seasons of the show and other capacities far different than law of attraction, you can also go to Caroline Rector and Caroline Rector two, if you want to check out those episodes as well. Now, before I share what I'm up to next, especially in terms of decorating, I got an exciting update on that. I'd like to talk about today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is bookkeeping software for creatives and business owners. And as I am getting my American taxes for 2017 done, it has been so easy and so fun to go into FreshBooks. I love my bookkeeping there. It's just beautiful, simple, done so concretely and visually. It's just everything I want out of a bookkeeping software because it doesn't make it feel like numbers. It makes it feel visual, easy, simple, and does everything to make me feel like I'm not looking at bookkeeping, which is exactly what I want. I feel like it's the closest thing I can get to a social media platform like Instagram, which I love using. So this is my bookkeeping version of that. And I Hope you try it out for 30 days for free if you'd like to see if you like it as much as I do. That's over at freshbooks.com slash lively. So if you are doing your own taxes this year and you're not loving the bookkeeping software you've been using and you don't like it as much as Instagram, try out FreshBooks and see if you like it too. Again, you get that free 30-day trial at freshbooks.com slash lively. Now for what I'm up to in the decorating front, I've tended to share what I'm up to in these little post parts about that. Very exciting. I think I have flowed into the armchairs I'm going to have in my living room and the big giant piece of art I would like to look at whenever I walk into my apartment. There's a big wall there right when you walk in and I've known that I'd like something beautiful there and I think I found the perfect print. So when it arrives, if it does flow to order it, I'll be showing you over on Instagram and these chairs. It's really cool to see that I may have manifested a style without arms. It's leather and warm and going to add a little bit of a touch of kind of masculinity to my otherwise pink womb palace, as I like to call it. So excited to see if that flows and if the teak wood of it goes well with the oak that I have in the rest of the space. Unfortunately, it's not oak, but these are random details that you'll see on Instagram if you follow me over there. But after those pieces are purchased, the piece for the hallway and the armchairs for the living room, the major, major pieces of this apartment are done. And then it's just little stuff like, candles and flowers and stuff like that, which that's pretty awesome. So after several months and enjoying every single second of this decorating journey that I've been on since I moved here mid-December, it's so cool to see it all come together and to now be able to spend some energy and time on other aspects of my life that aren't just decorating. But it's been a real treat to be able to pull this all together and soak in every moment moving in with a suitcase and seeing it all grow and grow and grow and unfold and unfold and unfold. So thank you guys so much for listening. I've got a fun one next week, I think. I'm going to share how I've been living my life in terms of playing the game of life and some magical, magical results and manifestations that have showed up recently that I never could have expected or prepared, which of course is what my intuition or Joe always tells me, which is it will come in a way you could not expect or prepare. So I'll be sharing how I've been playing the game of life and the results in what I think will be next week's episode. So Stay tuned, and until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. 